Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try for free for 30 days. No catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash applebits and enter applebits in the how did you hear about us section to get started. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host, holding it down, doing the most. No boast. We're going to coast here, all right? It is episode 105. This is everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is your weekly update of the highlights, the news that matters, the stories that matters. Always be a part of the show. You can call in with a voice memo, record it, and send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z. Also, thank you for all of you who continue to support this show at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. I'm totally independent. Your support helps allow me to keep on doing this. It helps me to keep on doing the videos and all the other stuff I have lined up. Starting at $2 a month, you can also get extra bonuses, early access to the show before anyone else does, and a completely ad-free version of the show. You hear no ads, you just get right to it. So you can support it at Patreon dot com slash Brian Tong and I'd appreciate it all. All right, let's jump into it and we're gonna start off with iPhone news. I guess it's mostly rumors, but it is stuff we're talking about. I talked about some of this stuff in my weekly video, but the first big big story that kind of dropped this week around the iPhone has to do with a potential new all new navy blue color option. Now according to X Day developers Writer, leaker, Max Weinbach, who has been on a tear. If you follow him on Twitter, I'm just going to tell you if you love tech. He's been dropping bombs regarding the Galaxy S20, the Galaxy uh, Foldable, the Z flip phone, that kind of Motorola-esque clamshell foldable phone that we're expecting to maybe see at Samsung Impact in February. I will be there as well. Also, a whole lot of Apple info. So the report from him is that the new iPhone 12 Pro could reportedly use the navy blue color to replace the midnight green finish that we've seen in the iPhone 11 Pro. Remember, that midnight green was super popular. It was almost so subtle that you couldn't tell the difference between space gray and midnight green on first glance, but it was just such a like unique color, and it had that... It was classy. I didn't get it because at the end of the day for me, I just like the space gray. I think the space gray is the classiest for me. But tons of people love the midnight green and they still put a case on it. So there were mock-ups of what this navy blue design might look like. It looks cool. I'd still go with space gray. That's just me. Most of you are still going to cover it with a case. Some people are like, I put a clear case on my midnight green to let everyone know that I got the new color. Fine. I get how some people are like color crazy. I actually wish, even though they're the quote-unquote pro, I wish Apple had more fun with the pro colors instead of keeping them these more uh, upscale, designy colors. I want to see a bright, bombastic red, a deep purple rain purple. I want to see a neon green. And everyone's like listening is, hey, why don't you just get a 10R and iPhone 11? Leave those kitty colors to those models. Pro means pro. There are specific parameters 
to what constitutes a pro color. And that ain't pro, bro. All right. I want a booming deep red. Oh, it would pop. It would pop. But we'll see. So the rumor is midnight blue. And that's cool. I think what is kind of fun, what reminded me about the story of the midnight green is when the midnight green color came out, maybe, geez, I feel like two months later, there was a report where Tim Cook talked about how the midnight green color came to be. And it came from an ink firm called Seiko Advance during his tour of Japan. Now, they won't talk about exactly exactly what happened but during a tour of japan in early december when tim cook was visiting visiting suppliers he talked about seiko advance specifically and said that their craftsmanship and attention to detail is the reason that there's this midnight green color and of course praise them saying oh all the iphone colors are gorgeous now seiko advance then revealed to the nikkei asian review more details about how they had worked with the company specifically And they were a smaller company. They weren't a really known quantity, but Apple had told them, no matter how small you are, if you have outstanding outstanding technology, we're going to work with you guys. So the hardest part they said about working with Apple is that they have hundreds of different criteria, specifically how they deal with environmental concerns and what you have to pass to be a supplier. So this company, Seiko Advance, spent four years working towards becoming a supplier for Apple. They initially used um, Apple initially used them for the black ink color, so like basically the black color for iPhones. But as they evolved this process, they then said, "Hey, check out this new color that we have. It's called Midnight Green, and typically a green color ink results in a lot of pollutants." So Seiko Advance specifically developed a new way that was cleaner and made it more durable with high color accuracy in these inks. So now they are providing all the colors. They are the sole supplier for the colors for the iPhone 11 Pro and iPhone 11 Pro Max. You got to assume that's going to continue for the iPhone 12. But they also said Chinese companies, my people, are rapidly catching up and they don't want to fall into a price competition war because that's going to make it very difficult for them to maintain the quality that they need in order to win. But it's kind of a fun story of... They worked four years to get to the point to bring you all midnight green. And now you've got to imagine navy blue is in their pocket. I just thought midnight green looked a little too close to space gray, but it was nice. It was subtle. It was nice. It was classy. All right. So that's a fun little anecdotal story about how midnight green came to be. So thank you, Seiko Advance. Thank you very much. You got you guys all rock. All right. More iPhone news. The rumored 6.7-inch iPhone, according to blog Mako Takara, is said to be thinner and will have larger rear camera sensors and more. So the 6.7-inch model, believed to, based on these rumor reports, will have a thickness around 7.4 millimeters, which would be nearly 10% thinner than the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which is at 8.1 millimeters. It reinforces all the stories and reports we've heard. There will be four new iPhone OLED models that have Face ID. Also, the 6.7-inch model will be slightly taller than the 11 Pro Max. We know that there's a 5.4-inch, two 6.1-inch models, and one 6.7-inch model. That is the entire family for at least the OLED-based displays. 
So the 5.4-inch lower-end 6.1-inch expected to have the dual-lens rear camera similar to the iPhone 11, but then the higher-end 6.1-inch and the 6.7-inch are expected to have the all-new triple-lens, not all-new, but the triple-lens rear camera with the time-of-flight sensor. So you've heard this. I don't want to say this every show, but I'm just kind of covering this. And how about this? I will vow not to talk about the iPhone next week unless there's big news. (laughs) I I don't know if I can hold up to that promise. But the 6.7-inch will reportedly also have larger camera sensors than the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Okay, we'll see. Just some fun stuff to throw around. Also, iPhone SE2 fans, the phone that everyone has been waiting for forever with the reported 4.7-inch LCD display, right? Very iPhone 8-esque looking, big top and bottom bezels, a touch ID home button, still the fastest way to unlock your phone. Truth. That's truth. A single lens rear camera and a A13 chip and three gigs of RAM. Reports are that, according to Bloomberg, this rumored low-cost iPhone that's in the works starting in February will go into mass production. That could mean the new iPhone, or at least the low-cost iPhone, could launch as soon as March after that production begins. It it would make sense for them to jump on it. This is not a flagship phone that people care about. It'll kind of create some buzz. Apple still has to show us a new iPad Pro, which they held off on at the end of last year. We talked about it last week, a potential 5G iPad Pro. So they have done March events. Could we see an iPad Pro? Could we see an iPhone SE 2? Kind of like a mishmash of, here's some things, or are these just announcements online? Quite honestly, unless there's some big software hooks for the iPad Pro, which I am hoping for and dying for, they might, they might just do an online announcement. And the iPhone SE 2? not worthy of a actual event. They've got to really bring something more to the table. In arguably the biggest iPhone news, but maybe not the sexiest one this week, I think this was a little more manufactured more than anything else. There was a report from Reuters that claimed more than two years ago, Apple informed the FBI that they were planning to roll out end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. And what that would mean is that the current process of two-factor authentication and then giving you kind of like a token or a way for you to still access your iCloud backups. Um, yeah, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the case. They would be completely encrypted if they went end to end. So Apple, according to the report, ultimately dropped a plan after the FBI objected to it. Because remember, Apple recently, the US government, uh, the attorney general has said we need a backdoor to your iPhones, when terrorists strike and all their information and everything we do is on their phone, they want access to it, all right? We know that there are boxes, that gray box we talked about, that kind of does a brute force entry of passwords that can eventually over time get really unlock earlier older phones. I don't know about an iPhone 11 yet, and Apple always kind of tweak the software so then they have to kind of recalibrate them, but at the end of the day, we don't know how much these boxes are. They're arguably tens of thousands of dollars. So it's not like something that your normal Joe Schmo will be able to get or even get access to. But there are ways to unlock phones. We, we've unlocked lockdown phones. We've seen it. We've heard about it. Okay. Well, 
This article, because of the whole attention of the FBI requesting Apple to, hey, give us a backdoor to your phones. We had a couple callers on both sides of the coin say whether they're in favor for it or not. And I honestly see both sides. And to their credit, Apple has been very, has state has not kind of moved off their line of privacy. They have stuck to it. It is a selling point for their products. It is a point of, it's a sales point that may not be the sexiest, but they can say, hey, if you want your data to never be really truly touched, we can do that. Now, iCloud backups have been used to help the FBI when they've requested them. iCloud backups are not end-to-end encrypted. And here's the thing. You see this story, and the reason why I say it's a little bit of hype, Reuters says, oh, two years ago, Apple could have gone end-to-end encryption on iCloud. The fact is that in all these years, whether it's two years, one year ago, five years ago, nothing has changed. Like Apple has always made iCloud the way it is. It's now a two-factor authentication where you at least have to access it with a verified passcode to a phone that is yours to get it, access to it on different devices on different devices and whatnot. So the reality is that, and Renee Ritchie even posted this on his Twitter. So I want to take this quote, 99% of people, 99% of the time for them, the iCloud backup being fail safe is better than it being fail secure, fail secure, meaning the end-to-end encryption where you could never get access to it. And the point is that, look, devices are locked down because they're easy to steal. They're easy to lose. But iCloud backups they're they're not as easy to have stolen. Um, you can get locked out of them, but you know, person has to know your password. Person has to use two factor authentication. Yes, there are ways to get around it, but they're not readily available just out there for someone to grab. Someone can take your phone and do anything with it. It's better that your phone is locked down in that situation and context. So, the iCloud is encrypted. It shares recovery keys so you can get in, but iCloud backups are the only thing that work that way. Everything else, Apple is locked out, right? You even have the file vault option on your computer to completely lock someone out of it. And if you even forget that passcode, you can't get in your computer. So I think this whole idea where then mainstream news were kind of saying, oh, Apple could have worked with the FBI, but turned them down. The reality is that Apple has always kept your iCloud backups this way, didn't change it, has never changed it. And I don't know how much, no one really knows, knows other than people that were close to the situation, how much influence the FBI really had. So that's why I feel like it was a stretch of a story, but it was still important to bring up. Also in Apple news, actual real Apple news that we can verify, Apple begins selling refurbished iPhone XS and XS Max models. They start at 64 gigs for the 10s at uh, $699. There are different configurations, at least at the time of this recording, available in gold, silver, and space gray with the 64, 256, and 512 gig configurations. Why do I promote refurbished products? A, they're still covered by the exact same Apple warranty. The specific models that they do here, they not only do they inspect and test and clean them, they're repackaged, they're given new batteries, and their outer shells are replaced. So when you get a refurb, it's nearly impossible to tell the difference whether it was refurb or new. I have purchased refurbished products in the past. I think it's a great way to save money for your family. I have never had a problem with a refurb. And remember, I used to work for Apple Retail, so I saw these products come in and out. And this is years ago. 
but I think their reefer plan is completely legit if you're looking to save some coin. And you don't a refurb 10s 64 gig 6.99 a whole lot better than what it was for 9.99 in in a 2018. So just always be on the lookout. I think refurbs are also great, especially when a new product, like let's say a new phone or a new laptop comes out and you don't have to get the newest one. I go to the refurb and you check it out and I recommend people because you'll get stuff and it will be for like a little window of time where they might still have available units of that year or the year before. And it's a huge, it's a much bigger discount and it's a great way to save money because not everyone needs a powerhouse video editing machine, but they still want a MacBook Pro and that's a great way to go about doing it. And again, you can get Apple Care on top of that. It still is covered with the standard one-year warranty, and then it can be extended for another year with Apple Care. So it's not, not too shabby. Also, not too shabby, I've been asking for this. This is, you know how much I love my iPad Pro, but I have purchased the iPad Pro keyboard case on two different occasions and return it each time because it is I'm sorry, to me, it's trash. I know a lot of people say, it's fine, it's great, I love it. You just haven't experienced what a real keyboard on your device should feel like. And I know, I get it. I'm not trying to say it's not that great, but it's not that good. (laughs) It's not that good. So the smart keyboard, reportedly from Digitimes, could get a new redesign incorporating the scissor switch design from the MacBook Pro for the next-gen iPad or iPad Pro models. This is huge. This would feel so good. This would encourage me to actually potentially throw down the money. I think Apple's iPad Pro Smart Keyboard right now for the 12.9-inch is like 200 bucks. And it is the slimmest one out there on the market. I've tried a bunch of third-party ones, but it's also, to me, the least comfortable. It's just like, like I said, it's just like hitting dead rubber. It's like, dunk, dunk, dunk. It's not responsive. It's not nice. I can't, I'm sorry, I have a certain level of quality <laughs> that I strive for. I I can only hold myself up to such standards. If if Apple won't, I will. So the report is that they could be coming out with a switch scissor switch keyboard with a glowing that could glow. They're very broad and kind of non-specific, but that would argue that Apple themselves and other companies have done this, a backlit scissor switch keyboard in the second half of 2020. The report also reiterates that a 13-inch MacBook Pro with a scissor switch keyboard will be released sometime in the first half of 2020. So we talk about the first half of 2020, we're looking at products like maybe a revamped iPad Pro, maybe the iPhone SE2, and maybe the 13-inch MacBook Pro scissor keyboard. That, to me, seems like a great PR, uh, not PR, press release that goes online and all those three products are made available. I mean, I don't mind if you do an event, but those are those are press release worthy. Big thanks again. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Do you remember when you started your small business? Trust me, I still do. It feels like it was a month or two ago, but it hasn't been. I still feel like I'm starting it up. There's still so many things that I have ready to ramp up and roll out this year. It was no small feat for me. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, and then a lot of the occasional, more than occasional all-nighters. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since you started your small business. I have too. So why not make things a little easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution 
FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. I still do the receipt thing once in a while. I just need to have that physical stuff. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. You can see when your clients review your invoices with the FreshBooks Notification Center. You can easily create custom invoices that have your logo and reflect your brand colors to give them that kind of personalized, nice and fancy feel. Files, expenses even quicker and keeps them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part... FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. So join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days, no catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash AppleBits and enter AppleBits with a Z in the how did you hear about a section to get started today. All right, we keep on rolling with the show We've got a few new stories to talk about. Let's talk about the Apple Watch real quick. The Apple Watch Connected program will be offering rewards for working out at participating gyms. So Apple announced that this week that'll benefit both gyms and gym goers and kind of motivate you to keep on going. I think they've done a great job. I know those activity ring things can sometimes be annoying, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I need need to walk a little more or I need to stand up. Okay, I think the standing up one is probably the most important. But there will be a program that rewards gym goers using an Apple Watch to track their workouts, and then they'll give you incentives, 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 who's no speaker to English, incentives varying by gym. So you have participating crunch fitness locations. You can earn up to $4 off the cost of your membership per week if you meet certain activity goals. This is a report according to CNBC. This also could maybe attract new customers that wear an Apple Watch and kind of see uh, more interactivity, but getting a discount off your gym membership because of some rewards program with the Apple Watch, I think that's very compelling for a lot of people because especially the Apple Watch is is the number one smartwatch right now. It continues to get better. Oh man, I love this thing. It is great. It's great. So we'll see how this happens. Four gym chains are rolling out support for the program, including Basecamp Fitness, Crunch Fitness, Orange Theory Fitness. I go to that thing when I can and the YMCA, according to CNBC. Killer. Also, side note, Orange Theory Fitness is these classes that are very like structured, push you for like running weights and doing uh, rowing. They're also rolling out an Apple Watch accessory that can attach to the Apple Watch. Right now, you normally uh, you pay for one of their own wristbands, and then it tracks your metrics. It's kind of interesting that now you could just wear the Apple Watch you own, put on this add-on, this kind of uh, what they call the OTB link that attaches your watch band, and then also bump up that with rewards and then have all that data go into your phone. And ooh, Now we're talking. If you didn't believe Steve Jobs years ago when he said uh, Flash is dead and we're killing Flash, I think the time is finally, finally, finally coming. Apple is likely to drop Adobe Flash support in the next version of Safari. They uh, released their latest Safari technology preview 99. It's basically a beta of the next version of the Safari browser. And it's pretty much all but confirming that Apple is ditching support for Flash in the next version of its native browser. So you'll no longer be able to install or use Adobe Flash when that new version of Safari releases, most likely with the next uh, 
OS, Mac OS, or iOS. I don't think they'll just throw it out there. Maybe they might. But the elimination of Flash support, again, now these days, it shouldn't really impact most users. Pretty much all browsers have moved away from the format. It's taken a while, but it is 2018, and Apple will finally, finally just completely ditch Flash. It was even back in a what is it, 2017, Adobe themselves announced plans to end of life. It's Flash browser plugin. So we're getting there, right? A lot of the content now is HTML5, WebGL, and uh, different web assembly formats. So that's always, we are we are here in the future. Talking about future projects, content. Let's talk about Apple content here, Apple TV Plus. But what about, what about podcasts? There's been rumblings that Apple has been working and talking to companies about, putting on exclusive podcasts on their own podcast platform to drive more things, right? Apple is now really building out a division and you can see their mentality is content, 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 content is king. Well, according to Bloomberg, Apple is considering creating original podcasts featuring on their TV shows and movies from Apple TV Plus. So the podcast would be used to kind of, think about it, used as a promotional piece for Apple TV Plus content. Netflix does something similar. Netflix has such a huge, large variety of shows that they, you know, talk about maybe behind the scenes, have the producers, the directors on the shows. It's kind of a good way to keep it in-house. It's it's a little bit of, hey, keep on drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll tell you right now, your show better be damn good for me to listen to a podcast for. There's not too many. We all have limited time. And I appreciate all of you who listen to this show because I'm so grateful that I'm worthy of your time, but you know, you probably listen to two or three podcasts. Could could you fit in another one? Some of you maybe listen to four or five, but would you listen to one about Apple shows to promote Apple shows? I wouldn't. I would just watch the show. But that's just me. Anyways, they're working on this. Plans have not been finalized when these Apple TV podcasts might start start rolling out if they indeed try and do the project. But a new anthology series called Little America on Apple TV Plus, it's a unique one. It, it takes a positive look at and kind of a stories of immigrants. So it's an anthology series, right? There's, it's funny, it's romantic, it's heartfelt. I think it's a little interesting because it is a very positive spin, which is good. It's uplifting, but there's also kind of realities to that as well. Anyways, it's it's worth checking out. It's getting some nice buzz, but they also indicated that a podcast about their show would be coming soon, which would tell me the whole podcasting from Apple is is definitely happening. In other quick streaming news, this is not related to Apple other than the fact that it works on your Apple TV Plus. And I know we've got an international audience here. Disney Plus, the streaming service that I drool over every day, will be launching in Europe ahead of schedule on March 24th. Originally, it was planned for March 31st. So Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Austria, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom will be getting Disney Plus streaming service available on March 24th instead of March 31. And I think, yeah, that's good, Apple. Yeah! You got to be happy if you're that. You got to be happy. I, I've been hyping that service up so much. Finally, you all can watch The Mandalorian legally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. I know none of y'all pirate that stuff. I don't, I support content creators. I have to, I'm a content creator, but whatever. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. We talked about the Apple card last week, a little bit about that cool Dave and Buster's promo. 
One more new bit about the Apple Card. It keeps on getting a whole lot better. You can now export your transactions to use in budgeting apps. You couldn't do this before. So a lot of customers using Quicken apps, YNAB, Mint, Lunch Money, and others. As of this week, you can now download a spreadsheet that has all your Apple Card data and then import it into a lot of these budgeting apps. So you go to the Wald app and then you click on your Apple Card, whatever nice color that is. You tap the card balance option and then it opens up a panel where you can then click on the monthly statement to export all those transactions. Puts them in a spreadsheet. You can share it. You can email it to it. So a little more versatility. We like that. And before we get to our phone calls, we've got to wrap up. Just show some love. 36 years ago today, Friday, January 24th, Steve Jobs unveiled the very first Macintosh on January 24th, 1984. It was at Apple's annual shareholders meeting in Cupertino. This new computer was equipped with a nine-inch black and white display. Uh! An eight megahertz Motorola 68,000 processor. Ooh! 128 kilobytes of RAM. Ah! And a 3.5-inch floppy drive. Oh, goodness, I'm getting juicy for this. The price tag? $2,495. That is that is amazing. It's really awesome. So we celebrate 36 years ago. Obviously, the computer, the computer that transformed and changed computing today, taking cues from what he saw at Xerox, no doubt. If you know the story, you know the story. It weighed in at a whopping 17 pounds. I do have the Macintosh SE. Uh, that is one that I owned, and it it still works. Oh, man, it, it's so great. It is so great. I can't Man, it had like this like horror monster like shuffle puck game on it. And then oh, I can't remember the name of the game anymore. It was it was like this game where it was like a medieval castle side scroller, and then you use your mouse to like shoot and throw rocks. If someone knows the name of that game, you need to call in like your retro Macintosh games and remind me oh, something castle? I don't know. I'm not even gonna look it up or Google. But you know what I'm talking about. He was like slinging rocks and his arm just like moved based on where you change the angle and you'd throw things and shoot things and then get through level. It was sick. But you got to show love. That that changed the game. It was pretty amazing. All right, let's get to our phone calls. Remember, all you have to do is record a voice memo, send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com, applebitsshow with A-Z. Our first one comes to us from our buddy, Eric. Hey, what is up, Brian? This is Eric calling you from Michigan, and I have a couple things to talk about. The first is the new MacBook, the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, I was playing with it a little bit at the Apple Store. I have a 2016 MacBook, I believe it is, and it's got the uh, keyboard. <laughs> and I, I do like the keyboard better on the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, but one thing I, I have a question about is the trackpad. So uh, both my uh, MacBook and the new MacBooks all have this huge trackpad uh, where my earlier ones did not. And I find myself hitting the trackpad with my palms all the time. Uh, and I didn't know if anybody else had experienced that uh, as an issue. But, man, it bugs me. 
Anyway, the second thing is about the iPhone uh, 11 Pro. So I upgraded about six weeks ago for my iPhone 10. Uh, I was thinking about just going up to the 11, but I went to the 11 Pro, and I got to tell you, it was a good decision. Man, this thing takes killer photos. Um, I was really impressed with it just off the bat, but then I went to a wedding a couple weeks back, and it was like in a barn that had um, like twinkle lights, and so it was kind of dark in there, weird lighting, and the photos I was taking were turning out fantastic. Uh, anyway, my, I was showing them to my friends who had older iPhones, some Android, Android devices, and they were blown away with how great uh, the photos were. So that felt pretty good to be able to share out some photos with everybody. Anyway, hey man, keep doing what you're doing. Peace. All right, so thanks for calling in, Eric. I've said it uh, plenty of times, even on my reviews and before, I think the trackpad on the new MacBook Pros is just way too big. Some people like them. I don't. I think it's just too big. It, my, fingered, my hands don't need a surface area that huge. I think it was all part of their motivation of like, oh, this is, you know, touch gestures. And I know most, some people use a few. I don't use too many of them, honestly. So um, it's all right, but I don't think, even if you use touch gestures, it doesn't need to be that big. And, you know, the iPhone 11 Pro, I congratulate you. I celebrate you because it does take amazing photos. And uh, just the functionality between switching to the lens and everything, it is uh, it's pretty damn impressive. All right, next up, got a call from our friend. What? What's up, Doc? Yo, BTZ, this is Doc Nock, Amr Nakvi, calling from Novi, Michigan. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I've been following since the original Apple by episode one. Uh, I'm a cardiologist, and like you, I'm a huge fan of the Apple Watch. And uh, as you mentioned last week, uh, we probably will see pulse oximetry or oxygen saturation coming in the a- Apple Watch since it's using photoplethysmography. It's the same technology that's used to track your heart rate, so there's no reason it shouldn't be able to do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you, though, is... Um, you had mentioned back uh, around the time the Series 2 was coming out, I think it was, that Apple was trying to uh, get blood pressure monitoring to work. And um, FDA actually just approved for a different company uh, blood pressure monitoring using photoplethysmography, the same idea in terms of technology. So we might see that coming in the Apple Watch. I think that's super exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, it might not necessarily be the most accurate from a, a health standpoint, but it's accurate enough that we can get FDA approval. And I think that uh, we should be able to catch a lot more high blood pressure. Uh, thanks so much for everything you do. Keep up the good work and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Oh man, that's a great call, Doc Knock. I love it when you all, um, Apple Bits Nation, have expertise and insight into some of these things and how they affect not only your job and profession, but how it also uh, affects us on a large scale. So thank you. Thank you so much for that call. And the the use of very large, long words was also impressive. Like, uh, what is it? Plethys... Plethys... <laughs> Pulse plethysmography. I, don't, I should have listened. I was trying to say, hey, someone say plethysmography five times fast, but it was like another word. Anyways, Doc Knock, uh, thank you so much. I, I think that's really exciting to hear and that the fact that it is already getting approved by the FDA that maybe that'll be another, maybe we will actually see it this year in 2020. And again, the Apple Watch continues to get better. I think whether it's an attachment or not for blood glucose levels, that's another place where they can continue to just 
man, put all these amazing sensors on it and really make this a health device for those that need it. I know. I want to talk to you more, Doc. All right. I sent you an email. I think we I think we need to get you up on the show, bro. So thanks again for the call. All right, everybody. That's gonna do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Or again, call in, voice memo, record it, send it away, Show at gmail.com. And also thanks to all of you who continue to support this show. Again, patreon.com is how you can do it, starting at $2 a month, $5, $20, $10, $25, $100, different levels. If I'm worth a cup of coffee to you per month, that is awesome. But thanks for all your support. Again, early access shows, free exclusives, which I will be mailing out for people that have sent them as far, have uh, supported as far back as like late October. I'll do it this week, all right? But thanks again so much for everything, you guys. We also need to show love to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Freighter, Jared Lewis, and Calvin Fatigahar. You all make it happen. And please, don't sleep on it. Continue to five-star review the podcast. I mean, if it is worth five stars, pretty much over a thousand people say it is. So I'm going to say, yeah, this is a five-star podcast. Put in a review, write some comments about it. It helps bump it up in the algorithm and I appreciate it so much. So there you have it. We'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Be safe. This is the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.